Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be listening to the NI Golf Podcast episode... 50. 50? The big 5-0? I think so. My goodness. That caught us out. It has caught us out. We're here, we're, uh, just ca- we've just come home basically about a day from the Irish Open. And this is our kind of Irish Open recap episode from uh, our new swanky uh, studio that we've built ourselves with our own hands well, I, have to, I have to be honest you've done the building I've done the sitting <laughs> so we're just back from Ballyliffin uh, the weather was incredible the course was incredible the standard of play of course was incredible remarkable final day in Morris wasn't it it was pretty amazing I was on the 18th green uh, when Russell Knox first of all held the 40 footer to force the playoff and, and then I, and then I was there for the same 40 footer it was like going back in time it was Two of the best putts I think I've ever seen under pressure. It was mad. It was mad. I mean, you know, you would hold one of those every 10 rounds Mm -hmm. when you're on play. He holds two of them in two holes consecutive. Not only that, they both went in almost at the same pace. Yep. And they both went in in the exact same place in the hole. They just went in like like the proverbial rat up a drain pipe. It was, it was incredible. It really was. Uh, so, obviously, Russell Knox, hard luck to Ryan Fox. Who, who played uh, a weird brand of golf, one that sort of caught people out because he had a very significant plan before he started. Well, it, it appeared to be the plan was lash it off the tee. And find it. And find it. Because as, you know, as uh, I think it was GMAC yeah. who said to us at one of the pressers. Yes. That there's no rough. The rough He says the rough is virtually, you know, it's not there. Yeah. And he says if this course had, had rough, it would be one of the hardest courses that he's played. <laughs> because the runoff on the fairways with the bouncy yeah. conditions. Yeah. Uh, it would have made it really difficult. But because there was no rough, your man was going, you know what? Just yeah. whack it as hard as you can. And he hits it a long, long way. He does. But it was it was calculated. It wasn't just blathering away for the hell of it. That, oh, no. that, that would be to do him a disservice. That was part of the strategy. He had worked out where he could miss it and where he could open his shoulders. And he was very keen on, as he said, you're better off trying to hit a wedge out of the rough when you get in there than you are trying to hit a seven iron. Exactly. Because there was a few clumps, obviously, where you could get caught out. Yeah. And the thing he said, obviously, was an interesting one, is that with Rory then there and the crowds being as big, it tended to tramp down more of the grass oh, than was, other oh, places. Oh, it was all sussed out. And, and what happened was John Ram, remember John Ram opened the 74? Uh-huh. <laughs> well, yes, I remember. Because John was a bit of a naughty boy. He was he was a grumpy shite. It's basically, <laughs> basically what he was. <laughs> he threw a few toys out of the prowl. He did. But then... John decided that he was going to follow the same approach and for three rounds he was just as awesome he was launching it and he was going to find it on his final day do you know what sparked the whole thing the final day it was John Ram he was going for it he went for it mm-hmm. and as he started he, like a triple bogey seven he took early in his round mm-hmm. and then, then it was eagles and birdies and birdies and eagles and near chip-ins on the last and the crowd followed him and it was actually around that time the leader started dropping a few mm-hmm. shots yeah yeah and I, the, I the boy started charging we did our little live um, sort of live stream on the Saturday night from the uh, the house the media like house our media our, our media, media hub with our media friends and uh I said your man's going to feel the pressure on Sunday. You yeah. know, he hasn't had that kind of level of pressure before. Uh, so Van Ruin was going to really feel it. And it looks like he did. And he started to drop away. And then it really got exciting. So. Yeah. And because it had been quite uh, 
the excitement level hadn't been great up to then. No. The golf was good. <clears throat> yeah. But a lot of the players were saying, you know, just how tough it was. Well, because the Irish had all dropped away as yeah. well, you know, it's yeah. local interest maybe had waned a fair bit. So. But scor- scoring wasn't great either, Morris, really, when you think of it. There was a couple of very good scores. Andy Sullivan, 65 or mm. 67 on his Saturday, was the lowest of that round. And, and they kept saying, you know, really, we don't know why we're not able to score. But it was almost as if John Ram flicked the switch and everybody started birdieing an eagle and <laughs> holding everything. Anyway, let's roll it back because we were there for the whole week. We arrived up on the um, on the Tuesday. Tuesday. That's right. Um, I, I arrived up as, as early as I could on Tuesday morning because Roars was going out for a bit of a practice. That's right. Uh, managed to walk nine holes with him, uh, get a few words, have a few chats mm-hmm. and just watch him up close and personal whacking that ball and hitting it like nobody's business. Yeah, I should we should say that this was your first real full-time appearance at a, at a at an Irish Open. What are you trying to suggest? No, well, what I'm trying to experience is this is a, a new experience for you, wasn't it? Well, I, I, I've been to the last four. Yeah, but in um, terms of all all day, nine, doing the full day in the media. I wasn't you were going to say nine to five. There's not <laughs> nine to five. It's like seven thirty to seven thirty. It's and, and and you were there and you were, you were in almost on the course for as long as some of the players. If not longer, yeah. No, it was uh, from that point of view. It's uh, it was, an eye opener, wasn't it? Yeah, it was an eye opener to see first of all um, how hard some of the golfers mm-hmm. work. You know, they're there from the crack of dawn. They're there. Rory was there. You know, it's eight o'clock, quarter eight. Was there all day. Played his practice round. Did more range work. And, uh, started off in the range. Went to the practice round. Came back. Did a press conference. Then went out back to the range. Did a bit more. You know, he was there for you know a good sort of ten twelve hours yeah. working yeah. working and doing space. But also the, the media. You know, there's certain boys from the media who are there from the crack of dawn mm-hmm. and are there till the very end of play. That's right. Uh, in John Dixon, who was one of yeah. the photographers who yeah. stayed with us, he was he was there. He was the first out of the house in the morning at about six right. o'clock, not back till like eight o'clock at night. So mm-hmm. it's, it's amazing. You know, people people don't maybe understand how hard behind the scenes. Yeah the golf industry works including yeah. the European tour people who are all there from the crack of dawn including obviously the green keepers yeah, are up yeah. from no, no time yeah. you know, so. and it's, it's worth noting talking about the green keepers at Andy Robertson who the head green keeper at Ballyliffin who by the way came on here uh, maybe two or three months ago that time we were up Andy had to change their game plan almost overnight for the course uh-huh, because the of, of the weather. <laughs> it was hilarious. Well, there was they were they, they heard that they were bringing in fifteen hundred. Sorry, fifteen. Well, one point five million liters of water was going on the course per day up until the thing that was the pro am. Just to try and keep it looking. Just to try and keep it green, basically, yeah, you know. The and the then greens. once once the tournament started, stopped. Yeah, they stopped. They worried about the greens, but yeah. the fairways were left, yeah. and then you could see them actually going browner by yeah. the day. Yeah, you know? it was true hard links golf. And I tell you what, when the pro on players were out there, Morris on the Wednesday, they knew all about it. There was a few boys struggling that day. Oh, well, it was very hot for a start. Yeah. You know, the course was starting to get nice and firm <laughs> and bouncy. So, yeah, it was it was a fair eye opener to some, I would say. So, so the pro on day obviously was the Wednesday. Um, you, uh, ju- uh, just like me, your invite must have got lost. One of these days, Mark. In the post, I went. It just didn't land. Uh, so there were there were various celebs who were there um, playing on the pro am day, yeah. and obviously the, the, the pros as well. Uh, Anton Dubeck, the dancer, was right. He didn't was, know yeah. he was such a good golfer. Yeah, yeah. He can he can get Light it right. His feet. Yeah. 
they can get it round. Yeah. AP McCoy. AP McCoy was there. Uh, some, of the local, players. some of the local boys, Stevie Ferris was there. Yeah. Paddy Wallace mm. was there. Mm-hmm. Um, who else? Brian McFadden, Keith Duffy. Oh, our, our, our golf and guitars mates. Our golf and guitars guys who came to our charity event. They That's were right. there. Um, Jimmy Nesbitt, of Jimmy course. Jimmy Nesbitt always there, yeah. Uh, actually, just Jimmy was doing, he was there on behalf of the Rory Foundation as well. They had invited him down. So we had a quick chat with Jimmy. He was on the, the there's a, there was a public range as well where you could go and get lessons and all that kind right. of stuff. So he was there doing a, a blind golf challenge right. with some of the blind golfers and uh-huh. he put on the blindfold and he tried to hit the ball. So I had a quick chat with Jimmy on the range. Standing the uh, public range with uh, Jimmy Nesbitt uh, here with the Rory Foundation again this year. Weather's a bit different this year from previous years in the Irish Open. Fantastic. Whether or not my golf will be, I don't know, but uh, no, it's just it's mind-blowing to be here. Just beautiful and uh, just the idea of these pictures being beamed all over the world is what really excites me, you know, and also it gives the Foundation incredible profile. What's your role for the Foundation this week then? Uh, well, in the past years, you know, we, we did big interviews. I interviewed Al- Alex a couple of years ago and then Pep Guardiola last year. This year, we're, uh, it's a bit more low-key, but we're supporting a charity called um, Fighting Blindness and the Hollow Street uh, for Blind. Um, we're trying to raise money for a, a ret camera, a retinopathy of prematurity. is a disease uh, which afflicts um, premature children, uh, a lot of whom uh, go on to develop impaired vision and at times blindness and um this is a piece of equipment that Hollow Street are hoping to get, which will, has a lifespan of 10 uh, years. It'll scan 5,000 kids and 300 will be um, saved from blindness. So it's um, an incredibly important, vital piece of equipment, uh, an important uh, charity, and uh, we're delighted that Rory is involved. And the raise profile today, you're taking part in a challenge here at the range. Tell us a bit about that. Indeed. Well, we're also with fighting blindness um, uh, attached to them. We have some uh, impaired vision and blind golfers here today. So um, just to raise the profile, I'm going to be blindfolded, although I play golf as if I'm blindfolded most of the time. Um, so we're uh, about to see what happens. I'll probably hit it straight down the middle. Exactly. Best shot of the day. Exactly. Cheers. Cheers, Jimmy. All Pleasure. He was actually all right. He, he hit it not bad. He, uh, he he connected twice, one with the driver, one with an iron. So <laughs> fair play, Jimmy. Have you ever tried that? Yes. It's a bit, it's a it, bit disconcerting. It, it is very disconcerting. And, you know, and then one of the, the blind golfers themselves stood up. It was a chap called, it was Podrick, I think it was, it was oh, his name. Sorry, I don't know. And he, oh, unbelievable striker yeah. of the ball, yeah. you know, for being blind. Yeah. You know, just incredible. One of the greatest shots I ever saw was by a blind golfer from this part of the world, John Dinsdale. Yep. At Hilton Temple, Patrick pitched in from 70 yards. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> one bounce straight in. So that was the, the, the pro-arm day. There was a lot of boys... Uh, Knocking about, um, there was. Do you ever? I don't watch TV very much anymore. I, I watch a lot of YouTube. You're like you're like the youngsters, aren't you? Well, I'm uh, old school. <laughs> I watch YouTube, and one of the uh, well, a couple of the channels that I watch are you know the golf instruction channels, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and there was a couple of those boys on the driving range. So I feel like I've uh, jumped into a YouTube instruction video walking down the range. Rick Shields and Peter French are here. How did you blag this one? Oh, these videos get you get you one way or another. No, we've been very nicely invited by European Tour Foundation. Uh, we are soon to announce our exciting partnership with the guys, and this is the first kind of activation and first event. And what an event! Irish Open, hey, this is awesome. How often do you play in Ireland, and do you realise this is very special weather? Uh, is this not normal? No, sadly, it's not. Especially this far north, we're basically in Iceland. 
Iceland. Okay, this is um, the weather's beautiful. I've played golf limited amounts in Ireland. I want to play a bit more. I've got a lot of family from Ireland, grandparents and stuff. Unfortunately, aren't with us anymore. So uh, hopefully, uh, get a bit more golf out here soon. Fantastic. You're teeing off very shortly, Peter. Uh, what about you? Um, so what do you think of the weather? What do you think of the course? You haven't seen. The, have you played the course yet? Uh, no, I had a quick aerial view, and it looks absolutely amazing. It looks incredible. But I've never played links golf in Ireland before, oh. so this is going to be my first taste, and I can't wait. You know, you're playing in the pro am today, but it's going to be pro 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 am because there's like three pros in the one four ball. <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, my pro is my pro version is a lot different than tour pro version shall we say so and then, and then my pro version is even one level down from that so <laughs> we're, we're, we're going to try and look like really good six handicappers today that, that's the goal basically <laughs> well enjoy your round thank you cheers. thank you very much they did actually look like uh, good six handicappers <laughs> they can fairly hit the ball like. actually the two of them are good I, I, when you see them doing their vlogs they're very self-deprecating yeah and they don't give themselves an awful lot of credit for the way they play and actually, Peter Finch's uh, vlog of the Irish Open Pro-Am Day is actually now up on YouTube. Very good. So if you do a search for Peter Finch Irish Open, you'll see. And he did. He had his drone with him. And he was taking some lovely aerial shots of, yeah. of uh, Bally Liffin. So they're, two, they're two good guys, actually. They're entertained to, to follow. And, it, it, you know, we wouldn't often be advocating that people watch and listen to other blogs and vlogs. But those two guys are, are good watch. And their their pro on the day was Miko. Miko Willen. Yes, he oh, was their pro. A former Irish open winner there you go so he, he knew the crack yeah. and uh, so that was the pro-am day and I, I can't remember who well, who's the winning team can you remember who the winning was team it was it Russell Knox was it Russell Knox it might well have been Russell it was 31 Knox. under I think was or, I, ain't, I ain't gonna say Russell Knox but I'm, I, I could be I could be sticking my neck out there can't remember let's put it this way there was a lot of very good scores including from Graham McDowell who had just got his clubs back that day that's right <laughs> We had, a ch- we had a chat with Graham. It's up on our YouTube uh, channel. You can see the chat uh, for, the, for the second time, actually. <laughs> so, uh, and he, I think he had to tell that story probably about 500 times. Oh, felt, I think he was so fed up by the end of it. He the was, yeah. So, uh, so it was pro-am day. It was great. Uh, everybody loved it. The weather was spectacular. The uh, pictures that were beamed around would have been just remarkable for tours of Maryland and selling that part of Donegal. Unbelievable yeah. things. It looked fantastic. Yeah. Uh, we also caught up with Mr. Dubai Duty Free. Mm-hmm. Colin McLaughlin. Uh, very important to have sponsors, uh, obviously, supporting the Irish Open. We know where the Irish Open kind of went after the heyday of mm-hmm. you know, the carols and stuff. That's right. Uh, you know, and they came back with the Rory Foundation and Dubai Duty Free, and they've, you know, really put this this yeah. tournament back to where it should be with the Rolex edition and the that's right and they've now committed to another two years with an option for another two years yep so I uh, had a chat with the chief executive of Dubai Duty Free uh, Colin McLaughlin I'm sure everybody has said to you did you bring the weather with you from Dubai for the Dubai Duty Free Irish Open yeah people have asked me that a lot and I'm even beginning to say yes we did but of course you know, it's absolutely fantastic the um we're used to very warm and sunny weather in Dubai, but I'm not so sure if we're that used to it in the North Donegal area. It's absolutely wonderful. I'm well, happy. since you started your, your partnership um, with Rory and the Irish Open, uh, we haven't had weather like this. It's been, you know, pretty, pretty torrid weather-wise over the last number of years. Uh, but it doesn't seem to be affecting the scoring, which is interesting. How do you, how do you feel about the scoring today? I think this, the scoring, I'm told that there's only six shots between the, the present leader and the cut mark. Um, and, and that sounds good to me. Everybody is excited about it and the players are do- naturally doing their best. Um, they, uh, since we started, 
involved in the golf we've sort of learned a lot about it and how the tournament's going um, I think this is a wonderful venue and the players seem to be enjoying it very much Well you've renewed your partnership with the European Tour for another two to three years so you're obviously getting value for your company out of this we are, yeah, and what we have to do, of course, is measure the value to Dubai and to Dubai duty-free. And uh, we are told that the media value of our tournament last year was $160 million, and we're very happy with that. We're involved in a lot of sporting activities as a promotion point of view for Dubai, and uh, the golf at the moment is ranked second in the value we are getting. Tennis, we own a couple of tennis tournaments. We have been doing it for 26 years. Um, whilst we're in this golf here, this is year number four, but we have been involved in the Dubai Desert Classic and stuff like that for 30 years. So in our local market, we have been involved in golf for a long time. Overseas, this is our first venture, and it's very successful. Rory and the Rory Foundation have been you know, very much in partnership with you over the last few years. Rory's taken a wee bit of a backseat this year, but are you looking forward to Le Hinch next year and uh, the, other, uh, the other Irish players are taking over? I am. It's a different thing. Uh, Rory's benefit to the tournament has been absolutely fantastic um, and has put his heart and soul into it, and I'm delighted we were partners with him, and uh, he has to get a lot of credit for building the tournament up to what it is. I know the experiment um, on the British Masters with a different host each year, according to the European Tour, has been very successful. I'm very excited about happening it here. And the calibre of all the future hosts, four major winners, a former Ryder Cup captain, um, I think that's very important. And I think also the appointment of Des Smith as the ambassador for the tournament. Des has been doing work for Dubai Duty Free as ambassador for Dubai Duty Free for the past four years. This is year four. But joining on to that now, he will be the ambassador over the four or five year period um, in contract with the European Tour. I think that's very important. Well, well, Colm, it's very important that companies like yours sponsor our event. And thank you so much for your patronage over the years and long may it continue. Well, thank you very much. And of course, in the same time as this, we measure the, the value to Dubai. Our Dubai Duty Free is now 35 years old. It has grown to become the single largest duty free operation in any airport in the world, which I'm very happy about. Uh, our staff has risen from 100 people. We now employ 6,000 people, and we expect our business this year to pass 2 billion US dollars. So things are going okay. Continue success. Thank you, sir. Thank you very, well, thank you very much. So he's turning over, hopefully, $2 billion this year. I think I have two quid in my pocket. He's the chief executive of Dubai Duty Free, and if he ever wanted another job, his voice is chocolatey. He'd make a great radio presenter. He's <laughs> got <laughs> a lovely voice. Uh, so, you know, Dubai Duty Free are obviously seeing the uh, the value out of it um, with their name everywhere. Uh, they're getting the exposure on, in the media. Yeah. It's, it's worth the money to them. They're pumping the money back in, and it's all looking good for the Irish Open. He sat down with the uh, the written media for about half an hour um, on one of the days, and, and we discussed a whole lot of, of, of issues that are going forward for the Irish Open with regard to the new setup with the tournament, various tournament hosts. But it was very interesting that there was some discussion about future venues. Now, yes. nothing's set in stone. We no. all know that things change, sponsors come and go, etc., etc. But 
you made a couple of very key points. Next year it's La Hinch. That works for everybody. The Open Championship is in Royal Port Rush two weeks after. Mm -hmm. And we hope that some of the big name players might make a trip over and play here and hopefully stay around and do a bit of practice before going to Royal Port Rush. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing. Everybody holds their hands up and says, that's great. Going forward, it doesn't seem like there's any guarantee that it will always be on a Lynx golf course. No, but uh, Clarky let a wee thing slip whenever he was getting probed. <laughs> uh, and he basically said that, you know, he was being asked, you know, have you any thoughts on a venue yet? And he went, no, no, no thoughts, no thoughts, no thoughts, no thoughts, no thoughts, no And then he said, but I'll tell you one thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he says, for me, uh, the Irish Open should be on a links course. Yeah. So that's his thinking. Now, I don't know how much bearing the host has on choosing the venue. You would think it would be down pretty much to the European Tour. I think so. Um, um, one of the things that Colm also said was that he would like it to go to somewhere central in Ireland so that as many people as possible could get to the event. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, central in Ireland means that you're not going to be playing links golf. No, you're going Let's to be Parkland in the Midlands. Yeah. So the, a few of the journalists were knocking around a few ideas. And, you know, it could well be that in the next two or three years, we'll see it returning to Parkland venues like Druid's Glen. And, of course, the big one would be Adair Manor down in Limerick. Well. JP's new spot. Mm -hmm. And suddenly you've got a venue there, which is everybody says is out of this world. Yeah. But that would then lead you to think, well, if that's going to happen, you know, the Lynx whole idea might sort of drift away. And maybe it needs to more. So there is, you know, I, I am a big fan of Lynx golf. I think the Irish Open is best played on Lynx golf. But there are only so many venues that are capable of holding it now. Mm -hmm. Royal CD is not going to hold it again for another while, I wouldn't have thought. Royal Dublin. Royal Dublin. Possibly it may be not big enough any longer. The one that we all wanted to go to is Port Marnock, but they have other Get their issues. skirts on. Exactly. Get their skirts on, they'll be fine. Royal Port Rush is kind of off the agenda now because of the Open Championship. I'm sure Port Stewart will take it back in a couple of years' time. So, mm -hmm. you know, you're talking about the West Coast again. Well, you would think that GMAC would like it up at Port Stewart, maybe, yeah, yeah. or Port Rush, but then, the as you the say... The same. Yeah, if, if the European Tour and the RNA can come to some yeah. agreement and, and people want it at Port Rush, yeah. you never know, it could happen yeah, there. It could happen, but, it could happen. Yeah. But just, just, just for people who are interested in and thinking about future future venues and where the event's going to be held, it's worth realising that Dubai Duty Free now will have a huge saying where it goes. Uh -huh. In the past, it was with the Rory Foundation. Yep. So Rory had a significant impact on where it went. It'd be slightly different now. Well. Speaking of uh, of the venues then, Ballyliffin has now proved itself to be up there with the best of them. Oh, fantastic. And do you remember, Morris, when it first started going there, people thought they're not capable of holding this. There's no way they'll hold this. And how do you get there? 27,000 people were there on a Sunday. On the one day and 23,000 on the Saturday. 94,000 in total. Yep. The course held up superbly. The facilities were top-notch. People got in and out easy. It was. It worked so well. Congratulations to John John Farren. John Farren must could run for president of the Donegal, I reckon. <laughs> Chief executive of Donegal. I think there was a campaign, actually, that I saw uh, uh, Simon Alice getting involved with. Yeah. Uh, to try and get him to some kind of... Yeah, he should be elected to something or other. Because not only did he sort the weather... That golf course was in pristine condition and people just were loved it. The players loved it. 
They absolutely loved, loved it. it. They the were raving about loved it. it. It was top The TV notch. pictures loved it. The Sky, sky yeah. loved it. It, it. it worked so well, it was nearly sickening. It would be interesting to go back and speak to John in a year's time and just say, John, what was the impact of the Irish Open on your business? Exactly. On the business for Ballyliffin. Yeah. You know, how much of an upturn did you see? Exactly. Well, for the staff there, it was it was a rough, busy, it was a rough time. I'm sure it was a hectic time, but an enjoyable time. And one of the fellas who was flat out working there was the pro, Gareth McCausland, who's, I think, Gareth from Belfast, direction actually. Can you tell us first um, how you ended up working at Ballyliffin? Um, I I was at Royal Belfast Golf Club. I turned pro there, and I headed off then up to Castle Rock. So I started heading north, um, and the opportunity came to come to Ballyliffin as the assistant pro so that's just over 10 years ago now um, I got the head pro's position then around 8 years ago so it all just sort of fell into place for me I sort of planned to come to Ballyliffin for a couple of years get good experience working in a, a top end golf course um, I never in my wildest dreams thought that I'm going to be head professional here by the time I was 20, 22, 23 years of age so it's worked out fantastic for me um, and now we host the Irish Open so all these things are just coming under very, very quickly, and I'm delighted to be here. You know, I enjoy being in Bali, and I don't think I'll be heading home anytime soon. <laughs> um, I suppose over the last week you haven't been given too many lessons. Can you give us an idea of sort of what you've been asked to do with the club this week, apart from interviews, but also um, your role in terms of developing this tournament and, and putting it on? Um, no, I haven't been doing too much teaching now. The, the last month has been a bit crazy, helping out with the tour, helping organise whatever needs organised. Um, you know, there's just so much goes into this tournament, trying to make sure everything's running smoothly, um, whether it's club members getting clubhouse access or you know who's going in and out of the clubhouse you know, for the players and making sure life is as easy for the players as, as we can possibly get it. You know, The last thing we want is them being tortured when, they, when they're trying to have their downtime because fair play to most of them. You know, I've seen Rory spend a lot of time saying, signing autographs and getting photographs taken and John Ram was fantastic with it. So you know, it's just really been a lot of organisation trying to liaise with the tour um, and make sure they have everything they need for the Irish Open to run as smoothly as possible in Bailiffin. And when everything's finished and everybody goes away, what do you think the legacy will be? Or what do you hope the legacy of having this event here will be? Well, looking at the golf course yesterday on TV, um, I don't think... I think anyone who sees it will be coming to Bailiffin because it looked fantastic. Um, the weather everything's just fell into place for us we've held tournaments up here before where we've had wind rain and people getting blown away so it's fantastic for us finally to get in this week especially to get weather like this um and let everyone see by lifting for what it is because i think we've two great golf courses up here not just glacidi we've the old course as well and a lot of people enjoy play, coming here and playing 36 playing both courses so I think we'll have a lot of visitors coming for the next few years to come and see Bally Liffin and hopefully get enjoy themselves as much as everyone has this week. Gareth, thanks very much. If I can just guarantee the weather, then <laughs> that'd be great. I don't think you'll ever guarantee weather like that, but as we know, we play it regularly with our We Press Golf Society in October, and it's just superb at that time of the year. Mm-hmm. You know, a wee bit of Christmas in the air. So, speaking of speaking to the pros, speaking about play then the play on the course um certainly from some of the people we were talking to gmac and rory and and players like that they were saying that they were finding it very difficult to work the course out the course was it wasn't tricked up it wasn't silly it was just hard. a very hard 
good test of golf on a, on, a, on a links course. And, by the way, it was, as Graham said, you couldn't ask to play it in better conditions. It no. wasn't windy. The rough was down, and yet they kept making mistakes. And it just shows you how good the design is. But that's what, that's what actually one of the questions I put to, to GMAC, and I said, you know, is this a testament to the fantastic architecture from Pat Ruddy? Yeah. And the other chap who... That was Pat Ruddy. Was Pat that? Ruddy, yeah. yeah. And, um, and he says, yes, absolutely. And Pat wasn't there at the weekend. He was actually... Uh, he's not. He was that not way, well at the minute, and he couldn't right. make it down to the tournament. But I'm sure he was sitting with a smile on his face, thinking, "That's that's a good test. <laughs> that is. Uh, that's a good test of golf that yeah. we've designed there." Well, what did Graham say before the tournament started? What did he reckon the winning score would be? He said, "On I think it was 20, 20 to twenty five under." <laughs> 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 and then they got out and they realised uh oh <laughs> and fair play to Graham he, he come out after the second or third he backpedaled, round said, he, backpedaled bit, he said yeah. you know what he said I got that one wrong yeah but they a lot of them did find it very tricky it took them a couple of days maybe even in the third day before they started to go okay this is how, this is how we have to play this course and then on the Sunday it started, started, to, catch, started to catch fire a wee bit yeah so uh, uh, so yeah so and we mentioned Roars Roars had his troubles uh, tee to green as he has been over the last while Ice. eclipsing everybody like Gaining seven point one strokes on the field mm-hmm. at one stage, tee to green, it was the putting that was doing his head in. Well, it was doing everybody's head in. <laughs> it was a combination of not kind of. Well, we'll see. I, I had a quick chat with him, so it was kind of a combination of not really seeing the lines, which is what he said. And so we had a chat with Rory after the well, actually after every round, but on the final day, we just had it caught up with him to see what he thought. Hi, Rory, how would you sum up your week at the Irish Open? Uh, it's been great. I mean, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, you know, the weather's been fantastic. Uh, I thought the golf course played really, really well. It played like a proper links course. You know, it firmed up, it got bouncy, really the way it should be. Um, and yeah, I mean, I I felt like I, I played pretty well. I, you know, I just really, I couldn't get it going. You know, I, I felt like something around 10 or 12 under was going to be a good mark this week. And depending on what the guys do over the, the next couple of hours, I think that'll be pretty close to, to the mark. So um, I just didn't quite hold enough putts over the first couple of days and didn't get myself in the position. But um, overall, I feel like my game's in, in pretty good shape. I definitely saw some encouraging signs on the greens today, which was which was great and gives me something to, you to work on for the, the next few days leading into the Open. And in terms of your involvement with the Irish Open over the last four years, you must be very, very happy. Yeah, I'm, look, I'm thrilled and, and you know, I, I, I feel like I get too much credit for, you know, it's, it's a huge effort by a lot of different people. Um, obviously, we've been involved a little bit and I've been delighted to be involved, but um, you know, the European Tour have been great. Dubai Duty Free coming on board as, as title sponsor. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's been fantastic. From where it was sort of languishing in the you know, sort of mid to lower uh, events on the European Tour to, to now one of the, the biggest events on the European Tour. I think we've come a long way in a few years. And finally, are there any parts of your game you can take away from Bally Lifton that will either help you or you need to work on for Carnoustie? Uh, you know, I think just playing Lynx Golf. Lynx Golf is so much different than, than what we play week in, week out, especially over in America. I mean, it's, you know, you know the, the, the golf course that we played in Hartford a couple of weeks ago compared to the golf course here, I mean, it, it's chalk and cheese. It's completely different golf. It's a different game. So um, it was nice to get a competitive start on, on a Lynx course, especially a firm Lynx course with the weather like this under my belt before heading to the Open. So just, you know, bumping shots into greens, not being able to fly the ball all the way on, you know, running it up, just getting comfortable with that stuff, I think, is is really important heading, heading into the Open. You said you have to care less about your putting. How close are you to caring less and just um, trusting in your stroke? Yeah, I just, when I, I think when I start the ball online a little more consistently, then I'll, I'll be able to, 
I guess not think about it as much but you know I, I just it's been good though this week's been good to 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 realize a few things you know I got on the mirror the last couple of days and, and realized that um, I was aiming a little bit further left than I thought I was and you know the bad putts were going left and, and just sort of you know at least knowing that and, and knowing what I need to do to, to sort of you know, not do that and, 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 and start the ball online so um, at least the you know it's been a good week for that in, in terms of what I need to do going forward um, and it's not you know like if, if that's a habit that's crept in it's not gonna not gonna you know disappear overnight I'm gonna have to work on it for a few days but um, you know, that's why next week will be nice to, to hit some putts and to, to get a bit of work in and, and hopefully you know go to Carnoustie a little more comfortable with that part of the game. And it's just yourself and Michael working on your putting now you're not with Phil Kenyon anymore? No no uh, Phil and I haven't worked for, for a little while um, Nothing. I mean, Phil and I, Phil's a great lad and I get on really well with him. Um, I just felt like I needed to, you know, sometimes, you know, I was getting just a bit too bogged down with technical thoughts and I needed to free it up a little bit. But um, obviously you still need to concentrate on your technique if you want to be able to start the ball online. And, um, you know, as soon as I'm able to do that again, I can I can sort of free up and, uh, and hopefully put the way I did earlier in the year. <laughs> So that's uh, chat with Rory there. There was a generator just in the background, so apologies for the, the, the sound. It was just there was a generator where we were chatting. Terms was a bit noisy, uh, but just after that, he continued on about uh, Brad Faxon. Yeah, yeah. And he would he says he would be in touch with Brad Faxon generally every week. Yeah. And there was always be like just email exchanges or phone calls or whatever. And he says he got a an email from Brad. I think probably after the second day. It was about two pages. He said. <laughs> and uh, basically, he went into a fair bit. But the one thing that he was getting chastised for was his body, body language, language after he missed putts. He, ac he actually sent them videos, video clips of Rory's shoulder slumping. Yes, after he missed putts. Put and dragging himself off the green as one putt after the other. Yes. So past now. It's very easy if you're Rory McIlroy and you stitch it into five feet and you don't hold, hit the hole to be disconsolate. But I think Brad was saying, listen, get the finger out, big lad. Well, Shake yourself, <clears> head <throat> up. Yeah, that was one of the things that he uh, he's obviously discussed with Brad Faxon to be yeah. careless. Yeah. No, not careless, but care less about the results, exactly. you know. So hit it. If it goes in, it goes in. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And stop getting so hard and down on yourself. And that's obviously what he was telling them off about, sending him videos to say, look at the stadium. Now he was, he was having a bit of a chuckle about it because yeah. he, because when he saw it back, he went cheapers. That's know? bad. That's <laughs> something Rory's been, over the years, Rory's had to, to watch his body language mm -hmm. in all aspects of his game. And it's something he's always, obviously always going to have to deal with. It's very expressive with his body. You know, yes, but the, you know when Rory's playing well. He's bouncing. bouncing. He's and up you know, on his toes and he's bouncing. Uh, yeah, and you know when Rory's playing bad, like exactly. slumped shoulders, <laughs> it's sloping around like a teenager. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so somebody asked him, um, somebody asked him, so if you could strike the ball like you have here at Ballyliffin, Tita yeah. Green, uh, especially I think it was Thursday, it was a really good day, first day. First day, yeah. And you could putt like the last round at Bay Hill, would you be happy with that? And he said, I would win every week. Yeah. And he wasn't joking. Yeah, he said, <laughs> you know, and and he uh, and that's the, that's the case. If his putt was as good as his tee to green, he would win. It's just statistically, he would win. I was talking to Des Smith after the after the on the final day, and Des had been in luckily enough in hospitality, and he'd had a bit of a sit down with Rory and we were chatting, and he said that. Rory had done something very simple. He'd slightly opened himself a wee bit more. Mm -hmm. So he was looking down the looking line. Down the line, that's right. All of a sudden, he could see the line. He could see the starting line. And they said he was like somebody totally different. It was as if somebody had taken a bag off his head. Because <laughs> he could suddenly <laughs> see 
the lines uh, well, on the let, green. Let's hope that that is the case, Nat Carnation. So, so simple. Just, just yes. Anyway, um, so we're nearly done. Um, it's, it was a fantastic week. The core, as we say, everything was just you know, it's it's amazing to be there and to and to yeah. see it and to see the golf up close. And and it's it's definitely worth Mark and Rory's impact in this tournament. We have said it in the past, but it it, it has to be remembered. This tournament was going nowhere. Till he got involved. Well, he was the, very humble when I, when yeah, I mentioned yeah, that to him. You know, it's the, the work that the foundation has done, the, the the money that they've got together from those events and spent on on charities and the areas that it's been on, and the, the work that he that he did to bring the tournament back up to a level, and he did put a lot of personal impact, personal work into it, calling in favors, doing a wee bit of quid pro quo, and that should never and, be forgotten. And the money, because he didn't take a penny in prize That's money. Money, money, won from the other tournament <coughs> yeah, when he won. Exactly. Plus this year, they, I think they raised a hundred thousand yeah. euros yeah. for charity this year. So, so, you know, you can only take your high. He's only twenty eight, and he's doing that sort of thing. Well, looking ahead, then as we as we round off, we leave Ballyliffin and we head towards Lahinch, which, by the way, I know nothing about. I've never been there. It does hold the South of Ireland Championship, the same as the North of Ireland Championship, mm. which is on right now at the minute. Um, so it, it's, it is a championship venue. Uh, it looks like we'll take the par of 72 down to 70. There's a couple of shortish par fives on it. But uh, I think it's the town that's ready to host. Well, you caught up with McGinley. Some people talk about the maybe the depth in the field wasn't quite there in terms of the way it was at Port Stewart. Do you think that's detracted much no, from the tournament? Not at all. Not at all. I wouldn't be bothered about that one one bit. I think uh, Rory McIlroy is playing. I think he takes over a lot of that. Um, we got more world rankings points here um, at the Irish Open in uh, Ballyliffin than they do in the Greenbrier this week uh, over in America. It's a challenge that all tournaments have is trying to get quality of fields. Um, it's no different, and it'll be the same next year in Lahinch trying to get a battle to get the top players coming. But you know what? As I say, once you have Rory McIlroy playing, I think that takes care of a lot. Everything else is a bonus after that. And I'm not that bothered about. Uh, you know, X player or Y player not being here. And I think, uh, yeah, it would be nice to have one or two of the American players come. Um, but ultimately, I think the success is not dependent on the quality of field. It's more dependent on the weather. And I think we've been blessed with the weather. Would you? Would I prefer to have the quality of field we had in Royal County down with terrible weather? Or would I like to be here with a quality of field um, and unbelievable weather? Well, I think everybody would take would agree that this is, you know, they've been lucky here, whereas Royal County down wasn't lucky. I mean, looks like if we get 25,000 today, you're going to hit 90 was 80 was break even 90 was great so we're probably yeah. going to get over 90 for the week uh, yeah it is considering it's a dispersed population up here in Donegal it's not you don't have a massive um, you don't have a massive population hub close by in terms of uh, Belfast or, or uh, Dublin or not within striking distance but next year different you know we got Cork Galway and Limerick all within striking distance and hopefully we'll have big crowds there irrespective of the field well, obviously you have a big connection with Donegal Dunfanaghy yeah. in particular yeah. um, so you have an affinity to this event yeah. um, what about what have you taken from this week that you might use next time in, in La Hinch what will I take um, I just the take <laughs> yeah I mean we'll take the weather that's for sure but um, you know it I think the presentation of the golf course, the quality of the golf course has been huge and I wanted to find out what the RNA are doing in Port Rush and kind of trying to align with that and make the players aware that we're going to uh, 
give uh, give them a real good test of golf down there. Um, I think promoting the county is important and promoting the area as a tourism hub. You know, I've done that with Sky this week with some of the videos that I've done and we've inserted into the into the coverage. Um, quality of the golf course and getting the local community engaged, that's been really, really important. The local community here, the local county council, they've been fabulous and you know we want the same kind of uh, support down in this in the hinge, I'm sure we're gonna get it. And the other voice there was John Hockey from the Beeb. Yes, who was who was there all week. John's a local lad. He this was a very, very important tournament for him. This was a homecoming of of sorts for John, yeah, he loved it. So that's it, Morris. That was our, our Irish Open review. It was yeah. fantastic. A great tournament. It was fantastic. Probably the best one I've been to. Uh, our next stop is Carnoustie. Would you believe that somebody has offered us a day at Carnoustie? Yes, yeah, so we're off to Carnoustie next Friday. Um, probably not as quite as uh, as up close and personal as we were at the Irish Open. It's more from the uh, the hospitality side, of the corporate side of things, corporate side of things. But you know, we know, you never know. We may snipe well, in there, stick a microphone under a few noses, and see what happens. But I think we're, what what the plan is to go over there and try and sample the atmosphere and come back and tell all our listeners what they can look forward to for 2019 and at Portrush. Talking about 2019. In Port Rush, the tickets went on sale on Monday. Yes, which uh, so that's a couple of days ago from yes. what we're doing now. Yes. So tickets are on; they're on pre-sale, pre-sale, and the interest has been through the roof. Oh, absolutely, we know that it's going to sell out within yeah. days. So don't come crying to us. In, in two or three weeks time and all oh, couldn't get online get yourself online to the, the Open Championship they've got a thing called the One Club you get priority tickets get online sign yourself up get yourself your tickets because it's going to be mental it is and uh, if you've made it through this uh, this part of the podcast and you're at the very end we should have done this at the very start but I forgot uh, your your fantastic host Mr Paul Kelly will no longer be known as Paul Kelly he'll be known as the chairman. <laughs> so Chairman Kelly, from now on, he has been made the chairman of the Irish Golf Riders Association. Yes, indeed. Taken over from the leg end that is... Dermot Galise. Dermot Galise. So congratulations. Thanks very much. What does it mean? It means... Hard to know. I'm nearly speechless. <laughs> it, it's a nice thing to have. It's a nice thing to do. It's nice to be recognised by your peers. It's a nice thing, particularly... And you consider that there's going to be a lot of focus on Northern Ireland over the next year or so. So I'm looking forward to being the chairman and hopefully there'll be a few awards dues and things like that there where I get oh. to go along and, and present take, people prizes. Take, take your recorder with you. Take people, present people <laughs> prizes and generally swan about looking like a chairman. Oh, well done, Square. Thanks very much. Go and buy yourself a tie now. You have to wear a tie. Do you know of one tie in the house? I thought that. Do you know you're what? very rarely do I see yeah, you. Because to be up. honest with you, I reckon if God doesn't give you a neck, there's no point in having a tie. There you go. Mr. Kelly, thank Thank you, Squire. Thank you for listening, everybody. We're back in a couple of weeks' time with a post-open kind of resume. Yeah. And I'll say thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.